You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Go Wild. Go Wild is the fastest growing social media application for outdoor enthusiasts and it's designed by outdoor enthusiasts. If you want more information, visit Google Play Store and download the app or visit timetogowild.com. Let's get outside. It's time to go wild. Welcome to Land Lakes Podcast. Um, I'm your host, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. And we also have some other guests with us today. This is kind of a uh, in-duck camp because we are in south of Stuttgart, Arkansas, and we have several guys here. Um, multiple guys clean shotguns behind us, uh, multiple guys sitting around, and so we're going to have a... If, we're gonna, if you hear <laughs> boys giggling in the background, it's just the it's, it's like guys cleaning shotguns and yeah. doing their thing. Getting ready for tomorrow's hunt. And uh, anyway, um, so yeah, if you're looking for a direction, if you're like, okay, what's this week's podcast going to be about? We've got topics of Cutie May, Stratton Seed, food plots, all kinds of random things. Duck hunting. I know that we've got something we talked about pre-show that we also want to address about deer meat and cooking. And uh, so there's a a wide variety of topics, and I can't wait to jump right in. So uh, Matt? You got Let's anything to say? I know to give you guys oh. an update where we're at. We've been all over the country, it seems like, and we're really getting back into even more traveling as we get out of deer season uh, for good. And so upcoming upcoming months, we're going to be in uh, South Carolina, Ohio, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Kansas. Possibly New York. Iowa. Well. Possibly New York. Kentucky. Um, Kentucky I think. That's it. Possibly Oklahoma. Possibly um, Maryland again, too. And so if you're in any of those states and you're curious about consultation, shoot us an email email at info at landandlegacy.tv. And, uh, it works out good for those people who don't live in close proximity to Missouri. If we're already going to be there, we can make it more affordable because we're already there. So if you're interested, everybody's um, splitting travel costs. So Yeah. Anyway, um, We'll go ahead and let these guys kick it off. Introduce yourself, your name, and position, where you're at. Justin Lawson. I'm the Region 7 Regional Director for QDMA. There you go. So what does that look like on a daily basis? Daily basis, it can be anything. Besides uh, duck hunting. But come besides to duck hunting, yeah, <laughs> besides duck hunting. Uh, no, I mean, uh, do, do mostly fundraising events, uh, working with branches um, on uh, educational events and youth hunts and just stuff throughout the year. So uh, keeps you keeps you busy. Yeah, how many branches do you work with? I work with uh, about uh, 16, I believe, right now. And that ranges from? Tennessee, Arkansas, Kentucky, Missouri. I'm helping out with a little bit in Illinois right now, so yeah. And for everybody listening, as you know, Matt and I actually um, were branch presidents of the Ozark Island branch in southern Missouri, and Justin's actually our contact there of helping us. You were crucial in the launch of that and uh, helping us figure out what the heck we're doing with it because we're new to the game of of, of a new branch and um, it's new to the area there hadn't been a QDMA branch in the area so it's kind of been a learning curve for us and 
and you've been crucial in, in helping us launch that to hopefully do more events and more stuff with QDMA. Which yeah. I would say is definitely if, you, if you're the person out there who's thinking about potentially starting a branch, you're one of how many different regional we directors? Have, we have uh, nine regional directors, I believe, so yeah, nine or ten. Obviously, there's like people out there um, in your region. Reach out to them. They're going to be just as helpful um, as Justin and want to work with you and get you started in a branch in your in your right. local area. So yep. um, don't be afraid to reach out um, and, and see how you guys can collaborate in your area. That's right. And if you're not in Justin's area, it's going to be okay. And I mean, you're not getting the best, right? That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So that's really what it's an interesting. I, I mean, I'm sure you meet a lot of interesting people, a lot of very passionate people. I do. It's 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 a joy. I, I never thought I could love a job or career as much as I love this one, and it's because of people like you and. The volunteers it's you know deer is almost secondary to to the job but mm -hmm. uh, it's the people that make it really enjoyable yeah so, i'm sure yeah. i know like for us when we launched the branch it was like we want to do this branch because we really what's the biggest attraction that we can have for the guys in the area like everybody that's a hunter in the area is usually a deer hunter first and so that's the biggest group of guys we can collect. But really, it came down to habitat for us. And so I know there's branches that raise a lot of money for their for their neighborhood or for yep, their community mm -hmm. um, to really give back. What is some of the cool stuff that you've seen a branch do in the last couple uh, of years? We've got a branch in southeast Missouri that um, that uh, every year they they host a uh, Rack Pack um, event. Rack Pack is our youth program. Yeah. And I think they had uh, right at seventy five kids this past year in October. And they do all kinds of educational events with them and, and uh, just teaching them about deer and deer habits and everything. And then they also, kind of cool, uh, they, they donate turkeys to the local food bank. Oh, wow. uh, they're they're in St. Genevieve area uh in in, in their their part of the country. Uh and then we've got we've had some branches in Pennsylvania that uh, I know that have um have uh, spent a, I think over a 5 year period a while back they spent over $100,000 on food plots for public ground just to improve public public habitat and uh incredible so there's it's endless i mean we we've got branches down in louisiana that have bought track chairs for disabled uh game wardens that have been uh, injured in the line of duty and, and paralyzed uh, mm. so it, it's kind of endless we just we as qdma we want to give back to the communities through yeah. which we live and and our branches are the best way that we can do that yeah it's kind of a grassroots approach yep. with the branches Absolutely. for sure well, and we were talking today um you know of other projects stuff that that people have worked on and um you know the whole goal for the branches is to to raise that money but once you have raised money and have successful um benefits like that it is put it right back into the community exactly. like you, you shouldn't have like this you shouldn't be building basically capital within that bank account you should be using it and putting it right back into the community to to basically achieve the mission that you have within your community right, and goal of that uh, absolutely the bank Branch. account should look like mine in college <laughs> yeah, <laughs> get a little right. bit of money De in there and, and, spend then, it. and then you get it and then you deplete it and then yeah. deplete, you know get yeah. It, deplete it. yeah there's no savings yeah that's right yeah so, yeah well we'll we'll talk more qdma but we got another guest we need to introduce before he falls asleep or gets distracted on his phone what's your name and title at heath north i'm with Stratton Seed, uh, I manage the seed operations as well as some of the wholesale seed that, that we work with, which includes the wildlife side of things. So you're an Arkansas native? I am. I, I actually grew up uh, just about 20 miles south of the plant that I'm working at today. So how, so. how close is that to where we're at now? So give or take about 10 miles. Okay. So not go. far from – I can find my way home if I need to. <laughs> <laughs> we are it actually – be muddy, I can tell you that much. <laughs> we are here yeah. south of Stuttgart on the Stratton Seed actual property. Correct. Um, duck hunting. And, of course, it's today was – we won't spend much time on it. That right. Um, <laughs> we pretty saw, pitiful. Hey. And I think, I think that's a report for everybody, uh, it seems like, in the south, especially in kind of Midwest, is that it's been a slow duck season. Um, and, and here's no different. Of course, we're in the duck hunting capital of the world, Stuttgart, Arkansas. So um, it's been we slow. Saw, we saw it, birds. It really has. It, but, it, woof, you know, that <laughs> we always go back to saying that it's called duck hunting and not duck killing. So that that's, that's where exactly we got to rely right. on. Well, I, I tell you, I felt right at home. I mean, <laughs> we came out. 
we walked through some mud. We stood in some mud. We sat in a muddy bank. Uh, it was kind of chilly. got a little cold. Windy. It drizzled and rained, yeah. so I was very Overcast. uncomfortable. And we didn't kill anything. I felt like, I mean, I was home duck hunting. Like it was, it <laughs> that's was just how it goes. That's right. It's been life experience duck hunting. Yeah. Well, at least all your gear won't be frozen in the morning, so that's you've right. got that to that's look forward to. Definitely yeah. true. For sure. True. Boy, it is raining right now. I mean, is I just glanced outside and I could see it oh, um, yeah. flat coming down. I mean, yeah. Maybe it'll We're keep. We're about to step out the front door with the canoe, just hop right in and <laughs> paddle right. on out. <laughs> for sure. Um, so what do you do? What does your job look like, Heath? So I, for the most part, manage the day-to-day operations. Uh, you know, our, our core business has been in the row crop. Uh, side of things mostly yep. beans corn and wheat and past couple of years have branched out into the wildlife seed side but you know anything from buying seed to uh, figuring out what we're going to plant for next year's crop and and bringing it in trying to get it to the bag in a, a good quality shape there you go and and you guys are it um, sounds simple, but there's a there's a lot to that <laughs> you can simplify it pretty pretty quickly but uh, <laughs> it, it it takes just about 12 months wow well, if you don't mind, um, break down that process a little bit about basically take a soybean from harvest to being put in a bag. Because, like I said, I didn't understand all the stuff that um, a seed goes through sure. before it goes in the bag. So, you know, honestly, the, the planting process happens almost 12 months prior to whatever that next sale season is. So, you know, we harvest October, November here uh, for soybeans. We'll just speak to that to give a, a sure. good idea. But um, at that time, we're evaluating varieties that we're going to put in the ground uh, come uh, April, May, and that's going to be for our next year's sales. So we're nearly 24 months away from our first sale when we're picking out the varieties in that wow. October, November. So, you know, basically what happens from there is we'll harvest the seed beans, bring them into the plant, and they'll run through several different machines, a cleaner, aspirator, gravity table, and spirals, which will basically take out what, what we don't want, and it'll be packaged in into bags and shipped out from the warehouse here, mostly in Stuttgart, but we've got three facilities in uh, Stuttgart, one in Carlisle, and one in Anniston, Missouri. Awesome. That's awesome. So we looked at, like, the facility facility today, um, aerated process. What is that? I mean, aspirator process. What? what so uh, just uh, the aspirator is basically like a vacuum cleaner, what it comes down to. So as seed kind of rides across the belt, it'll suck the sticks and pods, all the big mm-hmm. trash that, that's left. In. Yeah. Hopefully they're not in there when they come <laughs> in. But uh, we, we try to watch for that uh, when, we're, when we're grading the trucks in. But uh, – you know, from there it goes to w- what's called an air screen cleaner. So it basically it's a, a big machine that's got screens on top that's got round holes in it on top. So all the seed that's good or splits or actual seed will fall through and any sticks and pods that the aspirator misses will ride off the top and mm-hmm. go into the trash. So from there it'll fall down to the middle and it'll be slotted screens. So beans that have been broken in half or chips will fall through the bottom and the round seeds roll off the top or off the middle into the clean seed side of things. So mm. we're taking sticks and pods out at the top and taking uh, uh, splits off at the bottom. Gotcha. So actually from there, it's uh, elevated back into what we call spirals. And spirals are just like what they sound. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember from McDonald's when you used to put the little penny in. Oh, and yeah. And yeah, it yeah, roll yeah. around and around in circles. Right. That's basically how it works. So any bad seed or seed that's flat, not mm-hmm. very round will slide off the side and cool. the good seed will actually make it all the way down to the bottom so you get very uniform clean seed at the end that that's the product yeah well actually there's still one more process okay. that we use and that's a gravity table so it grades on density so even though a seed may have still been round and, mm-hmm. and pretty it may not have quite the weight to it that it needs to be good viable seed so basically it's a table that shakes <laughs> and and goes at an incline so the good seed will ride up the top and over into the clean seed, and the lighter seed will actually bounce off the bottom. Wow. Quite the process. How many, like, out of all the other seed companies out there, mm-hmm. how many have a, have this kind of strenuous testing or whatever to ensure that seed that's going into a bag is 
Uh, viable it, seed. It, there there are some that are coming online and catching up, and as you guys know with anything, there's always new technology coming out, and, sure. uh, and we steadily evaluate that. But there's very few in the south, especially, that will have the kind of equipment to handle it, especially the kind of volume that we yeah. can. And speak to that. How In a given year, on average, how many bushels do you guys process with with soybeans so from row crop side as we do our own brand plus up for uh, custom conditioning for others mm-hmm. you know we've been as high as two and a half million units through the facility and it just depends on quality and, and what our needs are but you know it very easily can do two and a half million units in a, in what's a season a, what's a unit a unit would be basically what you plant per acre so mm-hmm. okay uh, it today they've changed uh, used to it would be a 50 pound bag yeah, now it's now seed it's per acre. By seed per acre. Population, so, yeah. right. so a bag is 140,000 seed in the bag. So, uh, again, that's added a level of complication over sure. what we used to have to do in that, you know, a unit could either be 40 pounds or it could be 55 pounds. So mm-hmm. we just have to d- determine the seed size as we go. Hmm. Incredible. That's, that's a, a lot. lot of seed. <laughs> that's a lot. No, a lot and, and, and because you are in Stuttgart, like – that's a that's why at Duck Hunting Capital of the World that and the rivers all kind of conjoining. You've got crop forever, and you've got rivers that basically they migrate down. And and the biggest piece to that is probably due to the fact that we are on the prairie and there's a lot of rice ground. Yeah. So rice is is a big part of our market as well from row crop side. So uh, with that comes the ducks, and that that's what's been the biggest draw. What uh, was the prairie? What was the prairie? Yeah. 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 That, I think there's only is like this, 4, 4% is, of are it Are we left. sitting in Prairie County right now? No, we're in Arkansas County, actually. Arkansas County. But mm-hmm. Prairie County would be just, just north? Just north of Okay. This. Yeah. They don't look any different. But <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But um, that's – that's what I, it was. I, I noticed like a lot of the prairie. roads, or you see roads around here like Prairie Road, or oh, prairie, yeah. and it's just like it, it's yeah. a unique landscape. And, and the reason why we handle so much rice is due to the soil composition, and basically we have a very shallow hard pan, so okay. mm-hmm. we can hold water on surface very easily as compared to some of your you know midwestern soils that are real deep sure. topsoil. Uh, yeah. You know, we may only be 18 inches down before we hit a hard pan, and we can control water very easily like that. Hmm. I know I that it. we Matt and I made this joke that when the Ozark Mountains we get all this rain and it's whatever it's not that sloppy because we still have a lot of rocks and sand to hold it all together here it's like oh my gosh it's glue it turns into glue just with a little bit of water I might lose my boots some tomorrow <laughs> yeah. going out there well I, as, right as you them. heard today I was going you don't know this story but um, Heath because you weren't there this morning on the hunt but um, you know how that portion of that levee on this on this uh, big water hole right mm-hmm. here close to the lodge has got one part of it's really starting to erode and there's some big holes in it mm-hmm. and uh, i jumped off because there were some ducks flying over i was going back to try and flush some some ducks off the other side of the waterway and some ducks started flying over so i jump into the bushes and i tried to i've avoided one hole but i created a new <laughs> one and went all the way up to my crotch and with one leg so there's one leg stuck on the ground and the other leg's all the way down oh my gosh it was it horrible like a gymnast I'm, immediately i'm like in Man, bibs <laughs> this this doesn't happen in the ozarks so yeah how many rivers uh, like what are the prime rivers right here i know there's like You've got the White River. you got the White, and then Arkansas is yep. uh, just towards Pine Bluff, and Cash is not too far from us as well. So. And, and they're like a Strawberry Creek, or what is that? I'm trying – there's a whole bunch of them, because I remember there was an explorer that came down through here, and there was like six or five – Black River? Where's the Black River Black going River to? Black Northeast Arkansas. Northeast Arkansas, yeah. and it runs into – The uh, White, I Okay, yeah. It's like they all feed down to the White, and then the White feeds into the Arkansas, and the Arkansas feeds into the Mississippi, if I remember right. right. Yep. Yeah, so a lot of water coming through here and a lot of food available for for the Which means a geese. lot of birds. <laughs> Which means a lot of birds. That's right. So it's an interesting area. Yeah, it sure is. It's cool. It's unique. How far did you grow up, Justin? How far did you grow up from here? Uh, well, I grew up mostly mostly in Memphis, but uh, my family, we my, both my parents are from northeast Arkansas. Okay. So we were within a couple hours of being where I, I grew up hunting. That's where I did all my hunting as a kid. Yeah, was in, was in northeast Arkansas. So a couple of hours, and and we were there. So Cypress country, yeah, yeah, Bald Cypress. Yeah. So a little bit different Stuttgart, but yeah, um, yeah, very interesting. Um, well, Stratton looked like 2019. You know, we, we continue to ramp up as 
we talked about we're, we're in the pre-planning process we're putting the blends together for this next season both the spring mm -hmm. and in our uh, waterfowl blends and trying to figure out what we should add what we should take out and hopefully mm -hmm. you guys are going to help us with some direction on that as we move forward but, absolutely uh, i'm excited for it i know like last year um it kind of all happened at once. It was like a lot of things needed to move in place before season or before planting season, and a lot of guys are already starting to plant. And this year we're going to be prepared for it. So listeners that are like, for example, um, let's just go over some of your guys' seed blends or seeds that you're coming out or having available this spring. You've got the wild game changers. Sure. Um, uh, there's going to be we'll, – we'll still stick with the heritage blend yep. uh, uh, that we've got put together. <clears throat> also um, – for the waterfowl, we have what's called quick six. That's yep. uh, going to be a lot of millets in it. Um, that's really the big three this spring. That That's going to be the major three for yeah. sure. And we've got the wild game changers, which are a forage, roundup ready, or glyphosate tolerant soybean. Correct. And, you know, we're also looking at some new adaptations or uh, some additional lines to bring in uh, to go complement that with a little bit later maturities and yep. some, some different uh, uh, growth habits than what we've got with the Game Changer. For sure. And general price point on that is, you know, you're talking depending on shipping, depending on shipping, you know, you're probably 40 to at worst, probably $60 a bag, yeah. uh, I would say, uh, in, in most of the U.S. anyway. And that's why dealers, so people listening right now, dealers can come into a huge play there of, of knocking that shipping down to where you are sticking more to that $40 a bag rather than way up there because you have to ship it to. Who knows where in the sure. country. And and that's been one of our strong points. Like I said, we've been in the row crop side of things for a while, and we've got established dealers, you know, throughout most of the Mid-South. And yeah. uh, we actually have our own uh, small truck fleet that we uh, utilize to deliver that row crop, so it's going to play in very nice, I think, with the uh, specialty seeds. Yeah, for in, sure. In delivery. Uh, you guys have been 1925 or 28? It's 48. So. 40, 1948, that's yep. right, 1948. Long time, either way. Either way you look at it. Either way you look at it, you guys <laughs> have been doing seed for a long time, but just recently into the specialty seed sure. varieties. Uh, especially the blends. You know, uh, uh, last year was a big step for us. We kind of dabbled in it the year before, but we, we've got a little uh, experience under our belt. And like you mm -hmm. said, we were kind of in a, a frantic mode to, to get everything put together last year. But we're going to be a little better prepared, which will help us uh, get to these dealers a little quicker. And Did I talk about the Heritage done. Blend, uh, the results? I don't know if I have or not. Well, I haven't gone back and listened to the screen podcast. Oh, you didn't talk about screens. No, we didn't talk week. about you screens. Had, you had a different we topic we you did guys a, covered. Just a kind of a montage. But So we planted the Heritage Blend, which is designed to be kind of a mix that's beneficial to a lot of species, provides forage for the deer, but it also has some grains for the for the quail and other species. Um, it's a great it, – it grows tall. Um, one thing we did kind of as a test was to see what it looked like as a screen – close to a gravel road to kind of protect and, and you know, people have planted Egyptian wheat and sedan grass and corn um, as annual screens. But we decided, you know, let's try this heritage blend. Let's see what it let's let's put it to the test. It's got sun hemp in it, which um, of course here in Arkansas is you can't plant sun hemp, but other states you can. Right. And so we planted it and um, I now I've tried all three of those that I just mentioned. Um, sedan grass, Egyptian wheat, corn in the past. Corn, plant it, raccoons get in it, deer get in it, bears get in it, and what was a great screen turned into a lot of stubble. Okay, that didn't work. You plant the other two, Egyptian wheat, sedan grass, wind blows it over. Eventually, during the winter, wind will blow it over or, or whatever. Snow. Or snow. Ice. Um, and, and that stalk almost seems too heavy at the top, like it tries to lean. But what we found, it almost seems like there's more like lignin or something in the sun hemp stock. It's not top heavy either. That's the important yeah. thing. It's, it's shaped really well. It's very basically stiff at it's the base. It's a bigger base. Yeah. Uh, and it's not, it doesn't have a big seed head up top. Um, so it stands up a lot better this time. And, and kind of branches out. Yeah. And even though the leaves get whacked with frost, they still kind of hold on. Um, then you complement the, the cow peas and lab lab and you get these vines everywhere. Then you throw in the Milo, and before you know it, you've got now we have pr Milo probably belly button or chest high, um, and then you have the Sun Hemp, which is eight to ten foot tall, 
and you can't see through the stuff. <laughs> That's a wall. It's a wall. It, it serves an amazing purpose from forage throughout the growing season, and then now it's transitioning um, into a screen. All in one food plot, all in one place. And it was designed to be kind of that, okay, um, I don't have sprayer, and I just want to plant something to really kind of smother out the weeds. Um, and now it's like, man, we can plant that in strips to provide screening. And so you're well, going to see, we're going to use it a lot different, or a lot in a lot of other applications this year. I left the farm yesterday in Tennessee, and part of his food plot needs to be a screen uh, to block view from neighbors. Yeah. And it's that's exactly what I recommend. Let's just use the heritage blend, transition this from food plot. But when you come back and plant the fall blend, leave the heritage blend standing to use as your screen. Yep. But still forage value. For sure. It's a utility player. It's amazing how many little birds are using it right now because of all the seeds. So mm -hmm. it's like it kind of makes me as a land manager, a, a guy that tries not to focus just on one species, it makes you feel good seeing all the birds using it. And you're like, man, even they're loving it. So it's definitely a variety pack when it comes down to it. I'm sure. excited for 2019. I know yeah. uh, I, I think there's a lot of guys out there listening that last year were like, I want to see how this really – goes for them and, it, and i mean it went great and i just can't wait to see hopefully more there's, and more people yeah. are planting it and there's there's kind of a buzz about it too like yeah. that name's getting thrown out quite a bit so it'll be it'll be interesting to see um you know what the springtime orders and stuff kind of look like because um, i think a lot of a lot of success was had with especially the game changer soybeans very affordable food plot seed yeah it's high quality and has a lot of different benefits so Sure. And you guys probably cool. got quite a few pictures that you're going to share with us throughout oh, the year, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. yeah. I was just talking to Keith, who's sitting here. He hasn't chimed in yet. Uh, man, a few words. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm kind of talking about showing showing a bunch of the pictures where you see you kind of the transition. And we still have standing beans, um, standing game changer beans on the farm. But unfortunately, we had a huge acorn crop this year. So it's like, oh, well, those have to Both be Both white and up. red. Yeah, those have to be eaten before they really get into this because we haven't had the cold weather to push them to the beans. But it's a great backup if nothing else. That's right. It's yeah. going to feed the deer, even if I mean we're even if we don't get to hunt over it. It's still going to feed February, the deer. March time frame. We're in good shape. Yeah, rock and roll. Yeah, jumping back to Justin. I know you Cutie May launched it last year. Five year goal or yeah, the yeah five year mission goals. Well, what what kind of spark from that was um there was a use recent u.s fish and wildlife survey yep. that um that, that that they put out and showed that we had lost two million hunters in the last five years yeah and the ranks of hunting and then the baby boomers are exiting those ranks at a faster pace than we can replace them mm -hmm. so um we kind of put together some some goals to help combat that that problem um we we, we basically want to want to mentor uh one million in the next five years, one million are new beginning hunters through our Share Your Hunt program. Mm -hmm. um, so our Field of Fork, you, you may be familiar with Field mm -hmm. of yep. Fork, where it shows you know, you know adult onset hunters how to how to hunt and basics one on one hunting, and then um, you know how to prepare the meal after they harvest the deer and so forth and and stuff like that. Um, well, one thing about that to me is like uh, we said on podcasts before, but when we're looking at trying to recruit more and more hunters and Everybody wants to take their kids, which is great. That it's a must, but also that's not really. That's just replacing yourself. So introducing new hunters is how you actually build it. That's right. And and a lot of times, introducing an adult who's you're going to give them the skill set to, um, to be able to continue that even after you're not no longer taking them. Well, so, they have the means to. They have uh, most of them have jobs, obviously, yeah. and and kids don't. Uh, yeah. and they, they can afford to, to buy the hunting equipment, the license. They have a vehicle usually to get to their, where they want to go hunt. You know, kids don't have that ability to do that. So yeah. it's an advantage to, 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 to bring on those new, what they call adult onset hunters yeah. and teaching them how to, cause there's a lot of people out there that really want to know how to do it, but they're some, sometimes they're just too timid to ask, you know, yeah. as an adult, you know? So, yeah. I mean, it's a big opportunity that we can't miss. Yeah. Don't overlook it. Well, just like yesterday, well, I think we're going to hear soon from this uh, gentleman client. I was at his property yesterday. This year, he killed his first turkey and his first deer. But he was in, he was an outdoorsman his whole life, but just got into the sport of hunting. Um, what was it that led him, not to give it away, but what was it that caused his him to His brother-in-law. Okay. 
well, had harvested I, some deer. And was it for the food or was it for it was the for the food? Yeah, hundred percent for the food. So that field to fork program, that's where you know comes into play a lot. Um, very health conscious guy, and he wanted to know where his food came from. And he's like, man, this deer spaghetti is awesome. So he <laughs> yeah. started hunting. Organic. There That's you go. it. And, you know, another thing that we're, we're looking at is, is to try to share 20 million meals um, or 5 million pounds of venison with friends and family outside, residing outside your household. Uh, five million, five pounds, million of pounds. How many deer would that be? I wonder. I'm not sure. I know that. Uh, I know with uh, Tennessee Wildlife Federation, they do hunters for the hungry, and and they're they say you can get a, on average about 168 meals out of one deer. So you that's know, kind cool. Of put that into perspective, hmm. um, which is you know great great program. And then we also want to uh, donate 40 million meals or 10 pound 10 million pounds of venison. Um, to charitable feeding efforts like hunters for the hungry or food banks and stuff like that and it's going to take our members to to, to help us with that and, and and obviously people that aren't members but you know to, to accomplish that goal that, that that to me is like how when you look at anti-hunters and hunters and kind of the division that that should be one of the biggest things that's broadcasted by hunters is the fact that you're feeding needy people helping and people you're, you're helping yep. people eat. You're identifying right. a, a problem, poverty. And you're and giving them good, healthy yeah. protein in the, you know, yeah. that's, uh, that, you know, you can't beat nature. No. That's right. You can't beat it because most shelters, you know, it's not the, the top-end high-protein meals that they're even getting there. So this is offering that, you know, that they – Obviously, yeah. going to jump all over. For sure. What else? Uh, we also want to strengthen our partnerships with the state and federal agencies to enhance deer herds and habitat, and then uh, also with access. You know, access is a big, for basically east of the Mississippi, got a lot of private land. I mean, there are some good public grounds. I know that Arkansas has some great public hunting. Um, Tennessee does too, but uh, we want to be able to try to strengthen those partnerships and see if we can gain access or – to lands that weren't, um, you know, re readily accessible before, um, you know, because that, that's a huge thing. If, you know, people want to hunt and they don't have a place to go, uh, what do you do, you know? Yeah. So uh, we want to do that. And then also we want to um, place 35 million acres in QDM cooperatives. Sure. You guys are familiar with cooperatives. Oh, yeah. And, and um, Missouri's pretty strong with co cooperatives. But um, we want to do that. And then also we want the last thing is um, – we want to contribute one million dollars to whitetail deer research over the next five years. Um, there's know. a there's a common theme in all those goals, is the word million. Like, yeah, those are all super lofty one, goals. One million. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I, that's going to be a huge impact. And yes, it's over five years, but imagine being a part of that um, and making that that big of an impact for hunters for, and and non hunters too in your community. That's that's really big. Yeah. I, you know, this whole podcast has got my brain spinning. Um, ADHD is a big problem with that. Um, <laughs> but I'm thinking about all. It sounds the, like a duck hunt this morning. <laughs> yeah, all the little sounds like my entire life. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sue me. Um, I'm thinking about Stratton and, and our relationship with you guys and and our our branch with QDMA and and all the um, there's river accesses and there's a bunch of public ground in, in our two counties and I'm like man we don't have a huge budget being a small town um, branch I mean uh, Douglas County is one of the biggest count I think it's second biggest county in Missouri but it's number it's in the top five of of income uh, lowest lowest, lowest. Uh, and so it's not a it's three it's it's so it's so rural medium um, income and also Wright County has several of these um, public ground I'm thinking um, since we don't have a huge budget, but how can we still give back to the community and do things? And I think a big part of that is going to be um, raising money to plant food plots on these public grounds that don't necessarily get food plots. Um, a lot yeah. of them don't because they don't have it in the budget to do it. And for some guys, that's all they do is hunt public ground because it's only, and that would just be a benefit to them. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. and sure. encourage encourage taking more people out there mm -hmm. um, and working public ground. Of course, you know. MDC and those, the state would have to be a part of it, but that's easy. That's simple. Yeah, for sure. So that podcast right there was worth it for the people <laughs> in our county. There you <laughs> go. And hope maybe gave ideas for other branch members or president, whoever, 
um, think outside the box when it comes to this stuff. Uh, and that's why it's like, consider those goals that you guys have put in place. Obviously, you push them and, and try and you know encourage us to do those types of things. But whether it's community outreach through the meals or um, the field to fork program, get that started in your area. It's going to be cool in five years to look back and be like, we did a lot. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. If you take that on, on the flip side, though, if you didn't have those initiatives and, and weren't making those goals as, as fast as you're losing hunters, how where would you be in five years without that? I mean, yeah. there's I a mean, crisis mm-hmm. for it, sure. Yeah. There, the, and you guys are obviously aware of it, but there's a different. Yeah, there's a difference between being aware and then taking action, right. and that's that's what this is: right. taking action. Yeah. Yep. And I think you covered all five of them. Uh, right actually, there. there was one more that I, I, I forgot. Uh, one, one thing we want to do also is uh, educate 5 million hunters uh, annually in QDM practices, quality deer management practices, so we can teach people how to – What are some of the – Better, you know, herd management, herd monitoring, uh, habitat management, hunter management. Um, we want to we wanna basically just, you know, touch on those four – four components of uh, four cornerstones is what we call in QDM and just to help people learn how to better their habitat and their deer herd, how to balance their sex ratios and, you know, and all that stuff. Basically overall just make hunting a more enjoyable thing to where um, you're improving the health of the herd as well as the habitat so much. I think because our relationship with other nonprofit conservation organizations like Quail Forever, one of their big things is habitat. And they're preaching the same exact type of habitat management, really, just true habitat management for quail, which is can be the exact same benefit to the white-tailed deer. Right. Um, habitat is just, it all, for us, we always go back to habitat because if you improve the habitat, the actual true native habitat, and you understand that some of the trendy stuff isn't necessarily habitat management, it's just trendy, but true habitat management, the restorations of native landscapes, can benefit quail, can benefit deer, can benefit turkey, can benefit rabbits. waterfowl, rabbits, yep. all of it. Um, it's just getting that out there to where people can understand what that actually sure. is. And that's that was a it's, big part of our branch. That's the was focal point. Habitat. Our branch was there's a lot of invasive species that are showing up in our area. How can we educate our friends and our neighbors that because we can't do this by ourselves? And your guys' goals, obviously, you can't do it by yourself. No. There's a I mean that's pretty help. ambitious. Yeah, we need help for sure. And uh, and so like if you're not a QDMA member, join them, help us spread this message and accomplish these goals. You guys, uh, you I know we can talk about QDMA. There's a reason why there's been a whole <laughs> slew of uh, of uh, QDMA employees and members on the podcast. We can go on and on and on about QDMA stuff. One thing we were talking about pre-show that made me want to go, oh, let's bring that up. Um, and it was a conversation. We were just talking. I don't even remember how we got there. But um, you're talking about a uh, something that the founder of QD May had mentioned to you. You want to share that? Yeah, during uh, one of our deer steward courses a couple of years ago, um, I, I, it's new to me, um, you know, but he, he said that you should never eat deer meat unless it's been frozen first. And the reason is, is uh, there's a bacteria, I think, uh, toxoplasmosis mm-hmm. that can, you know, when you cook a deer medium or medium rare or whatever, that it's not gonna not gonna kill that. So, uh, you should always freeze your 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 venison before before consuming it. And in this day and age, if you're in a CWD zone, you should test it first right. too. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I, to me, I. And I, it, I know, know I've broken that. Well, I've broken and that. Like, like, oh, yeah. like Joe said, you know, uh, but you know traditional deer camp years ago was you you harvest a buck or a doe and you come home and you throw it on the grill the back straps on the grill and cook I've them done right that there. A bunch. and uh you know that you think that's kind of tradition for <laughs> it's just kind of tradition for 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 people back years ago to do that you know maybe yeah. some still today but it you know it's important yeah to get that out there not to be gross or crude but i know i i can remember one time where cut it cut it out of a deer and it's like oh it's still steaming and you throw it on the grill and it's like then you look at the risk of getting really sick. Right. Yeah. Right. I'm freezing it. Freezing it. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a parasite that Yeah, parasite. Um has that uh temperature range that it can mm-hmm. live. But mm-hmm. if you freeze it, boom, takes gone. Yeah, care it of takes it. care of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh anything 
Where's Cutie May National Convention this year? Uh, we, has it been announced? We, no, it hasn't. I can't really. Sit. You can't share that. No, I can't share that just yet. So we can share we can, it. <laughs> well, no, we're not. We can find our news. <laughs> <laughs> what is our news? Oh, we can share our news. It's in this. In this it's in issues the, uh, publications on the website. So it's, yeah. it's public knowledge. Yeah, but. Justin's sweating it over there because he didn't know what we were <laughs> yeah. going to say. <laughs> He's like, wait, 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 wait. Hey, hey, what, are you, what are you disclosing? I know where it's at. Let's go ahead and share it. No, we're, we're not confined it. to their rules. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So September 14th, 15th, 16th, mark <clears> your calendars because Land Legacy is hosting the Deer Steward 2 course in southeast Ohio during those dates this year. And super excited to do it on a client's property. Um, he's opened up the the property for everyone who can sign up, be a part of it. Um, I do know that sign up starts February 1. And that will be through QDMA on their website. I think you have to be certified Deer Steward 1 to correct. get through to go to this Deer Steward 2 course. That's correct. correct. Yeah, so Deer Steward 1 is online now, and then Deer Steward 2 is, is in person. Correct. And I think we kind of have it planned to possibly go over. Last year we went over some modules. Um, this year we're talking about possibly going through Dear Stuart 1 through the podcast yep. portions of it so we can kind of go along through it with everybody. So, um, yeah, it's, that's, it's that's a big awesome news for us. We're going to be there. It's yes. not going to be us specifically hosting every single event or field day or, or workshop, but we will be present. Cutie May, a bunch yep. of people will be present. There will be a Joe lot Hamilton, of – Joe Hamilton, Kip Adams, Matt Ross, um, Carl Miller, Craig Harper, us. So it's going to be a great crowd, um, and we're looking forward to it, even though – it falls on opening day of Missouri's deer season. Yeah, I still <laughs> got to talk to whoever it is that made that decision. Yeah, yeah that wasn't um, me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'd say that too. Um, <laughs> another announcement is uh, that Keith Hammer just passed along is we will be at the Big Buck Classic in Arkansas, in Little Rock? In Little Rock on January the 24th, 5th, 6th, 23rd. Fourth, fifth, something through like the, that. I think it's the twenty fifth through the twenty seventh. Okay, and so I believe that's it. Um, that's in Little Rock. Do you know where it is in Little Rock? Uh, I don't just, know. I'll, just I'll Google Arkansas. I, I, I worked it a couple years ago. Okay. It's at the fairgrounds. Uh, the Big Buck Classic mm -hmm. in Arkansas, yeah, in Rock. January twenty fifth through the twenty seventh. Twenty fifth yeah. through the twenty seventh, right and we will be there. So with Stratton Seed guys. Uh, we'll be in their booth all weekend, so come by and see us. And come also, ask questions. Come ask questions, bring any information or whatever you want to talk about. Um, and then we'll also be at the gin and gun show. Is that what it's called? Farm and gin show. So Farm it, and gin show. Right. So it, it's a it's a big row crop, uh, has been primarily, and it's at the Cook's Convention Center in Memphis. So just when you so go it's not a hunting it, show; it's a farm show. It it has been geared towards farm. But oh, even better! I love that. I love that. We, uh, my we favorite actually, my favorite uh, conventions are usually the farm shows. We actually posted a little bit or put up some some signs, I believe, last year, or took some little bags with us, and uh, we had more interest in the in the wildlife side of things at at the farm show than we yeah. did from the actual That's funny. row crowd That's side. Cool. So you guys that, ought to come. Y'all can stay with me. We're gonna be there. Yeah, you're gonna be there. Yeah. We're gonna be there. Stay at the house. Yeah, done deal. We'll do yeah. another podcast then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they've got enough of us on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, when is that one? That's in March, right? Yeah, March first yes. and second, I believe it should be farm there. and gin show. Yep. And that's like cotton gin, right? Or what? what what's <laughs> gin? <laughs> that, that's what it was was named after yeah. originally. So, okay. Uh, it's well, you big, guys kept saying big. about come to the gin show, and I'm like, They're like the drink, like like they know. <laughs> what are you trying to get me to? Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. It's a farm show. We're there. All about it. See yeah. you guys there. I want to make sure I have to be back Sunday morning for church on that weekend. <laughs> um, and another one. There are still some. Uh, details we're working out with this um but another event we're going to be at is the nwtf convention um and working being spending a lot of time in the pure air natives booth at nwtf so we'll be there in nashville that weekend too and and be prepared we'll have some hats hopefully oh yes for you guys to purchase oh yes so at those events so 
Yeah, uh, a lot of a lot of cool events coming up. We're going to be with Stratton guys quite a bit over the next couple of weeks or months, I guess. They're going to get tired of us. Um, I know we got big plans for this. Heath, you're planning on coming up during turkey season. I, that, have you ever killed a turkey? Plan. No, I have not. That's what I was oh, thinking. Oh, Lord. You, you Come South on, I will be a newbie. You Southeast Arkansas guys, you don't <laughs> know what you're missing. I've always been scared to. I'm afraid it would have cost me after that. <laughs> <laughs> a lot. It will. Yep. I, and I know you're going to burn some bootlegs. Actually, you know what? We may take it easy on you. The other That's guys, <laughs> we're like, we're going to make them earn it. We walked them six miles one day through National Forest. And they end up killing turkeys the next day, but it was like nice. we're gonna make them earn it because this is not gonna come free. So, <laughs> um, yeah, but no, I, that so that'll be awesome, man. I I love hunting with new guys that have, have never, never killed a spring turkey. turkey. I, it's something. It is something amazing that I, you're I'm gonna looking be like, forward to it. I, yeah, I, duck hunting's fun, and, and waterfowl hunting in general is fun. But nothing gets me for, more fired up than a hard eastern goblin turkey. For sure, I love it. I, I, we're going to have those two guys on. We haven't had them on podcast. They're here. We're going to talk to them about their first ever turkey kill. Cause Let's do it. Which, had you ever killed it? Taylor, had you ever killed it? And Heath, had you ever killed it? Neither one of them ever New killed a turkey. Um, that was right. You got anything else you want to add, Justin, for QDMA? No. Check them out. I mean, yeah, QDMA.com. Check, check out the website. we got a lot of information, uh, articles, QDMA.com. Uh, you know, and, and I encourage everybody to sign up as a member, $35 a year. You get six issues of Quality Whitetails magazine. So. That's right. Yep. It's an awesome, awesome organization, and we couldn't be more proud to support them. So well, we appreciate you, Keith Hammer. Come and join us. Hop on that mic, and get ready, Taylor. Old Taylor Patterson's up yeah. next <laughs> because we were just talking about these guys. Yeah, this, this is the hot seat right here now. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Keith, uh, tell us. Um, so you're at Stratton Seed now. Two years. This I'll be two be, years and when? I'll be a year. January oh, a year. 8th, so just a a year. Days, yep. He's a newbie still. That's right. All-around noob. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about First-time turkey <laughs> hunter. This is yeah. his first job. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm totally kidding on that last part. Just um, high school, yeah. So, Heath, Heath, never – have you ever spring turkey hunted? I've never. He never spring turkey hunted. It was, and you have a little bit in the past, or was that your first time last I year? I have, but I've never killed Lean one. in a little more on that mic so I can hear you. I have, but I have never killed one. Okay, yeah. so you have. Do you have any close encounters or anything like that? Not so much where we hunt. It's we got we got several thousand acres, but it seems like everybody that hunts on our lease, we call it the same birds. So we often see each other a lot of times. Call so, shy, yeah. Call shy birds. That's a bad excuse, but whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> you gotta blame it on something. Yeah. Noob, noob. <laughs> That's what I was <laughs> Just set that up on a tee. Yeah. So, what was it like though, killing and and that that first turkey, that first experience? Well, I'll, successful. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of rewind a little bit back okay. to the first day that we were there, and <laughs> and we we went. We already covered that. We, no, we went to the national forest. You know, walked about eight miles that day, and we probably heard it was what six. No, it's it, it, it good eight miles. They said when you eight flattened it out, plus. it was 10 or 12. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so we probably heard, well, we heard turkeys gobble for the first 15, 30 minutes after daylight. Yeah. It was a tough season. Yeah. yeah you guys killed yeah. birds, and yeah. it was a tough kind season. Kind of unconventional ways, but you just kind of had to. At that, at that, not at in the season. way I like killing turkeys right. even, right. but you guys sure had a lot of fun, so I had yeah. a lot of fun. But if you, I mean, Heath. Hopefully we get the taste of a screaming goblin yeah, turkey right. spitting in a drum and right in his face, and he's going to come back and say, "You guys didn't even experience turkey <laughs> yeah, hunting." Exactly. So as, y'all got as you, as you guys like to say, we got we might have got gar hold that first day. <laughs> right, yeah. You got trained. Uh-huh. And yeah, then so we went, we went to some private land the second day, and uh, Taylor, which he can he can elaborate on his hunt a little bit here in just a minute, but I th- he killed his about. Five minutes before I did, and we were kind of deer hunting them, you know, like we talked about. They weren't gobbling and everything else. So we were kind of sitting Set up, up waiting with decoys. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we, we waited on We walked around a little bit, and uh, nothing really worked out for us. We we heard some gobbles that morning, and, I mean, they were right there in your face. It, yeah. It really got me fired up because that's the first time I'd really been that close to been a turkey it. gobbling. And, uh, anyway, I think it was 8, 30, 9 o'clock, something like that. Finally, we were sitting there. I'm pretty sure Adam dozed off. He'll do that <laughs> he, on you a yeah, lot. He, he dozed off a little bit. 
You know what? That's why it's so much fun to take new people is because there's things that I probably take for granted after you hunt them for so long. It's like, ah, they're not cooperating. I'm going to, I'm going to take a little cat nap right here. And, uh, and it comes in and happens so fast. I mean, your turkey was on the decoy in no time. You shot, and it was just like, oh, that was cool. You were still rubbing your eyes. Waking I was back still, up. like, <laughs> wiping the, yeah. wiping the uh, sleep out of my eyes. Yeah. And uh, it was kind of like, boy, that happened fast. He didn't gobble. He didn't do a whole lot of strutting. You just came to the decoy, and you shot him. And you jumped up, and that was more scary than anything because it's like, yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and it was like, that wasn't even like – I mean, I've been on other hunts where it was – like on Crazy scale from one to it, happened, ten, it happened fast. For you, sure. you had a three or a four on like intensity of turkey hunt. Right. Yeah. Not to take anything away from it because mm-hmm. it, it's still a lot of fun. It, obviously. But I was kind of going, boy, that happened fast. He didn't gobble. Well, like it was kind of like, oh, You're that was cool. You're still dreaming. You're still dreaming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, still, I bumped him. And I was that three weeks was into in. turkey season. Lay off me. <laughs> yeah. That turkey was coming in and uh, – I, I think I want to say that he maybe said you let him take advantage of that decoy a little bit, but I wasn't even letting that happen. <laughs> no, I, he didn't even get close to it, and I was already firing him. Yeah, yeah. it was like the, he stepped out of the, the out of the woods to the food plot, yeah. and safety goes up. It was coming over. in. It was like reaching for the cookie jar, and Mama grabs a fly swatter and smacks yeah. your hand. You're like, I wasn't even close to it. That's what that turkey was. Yeah, I, just, I, I think I was out there touching that bird before he ever hit the ground. Yeah. I, was, I was pretty excited. Already petting him. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. It was. How would you rank that first turkey hunt, even though it wasn't like the the ideal scenario? Right. What it almost never is, though. How would you rank that to like first duck hunt? Probably better than a duck hunt. Oh. I'd say really. Yeah. Honestly, my especially my first duck hunt because I was very little and Quite very cold. cold really. oh, everybody's <laughs> first duck hunt is terrible. <laughs> yeah, and, and the next so, hunter to follow. Usually. So first duck hunt for sure. I've had some duck hunts that are up there for sure, but that that turkey hunt right there really goes up there. Where at the first deer hunt? First deer hunt. I don't know. I'm I'm more of a deer guy than I'm a turkey guy. But yeah, uh, the thing about they're 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 comparing apples to oranges, really. Right. Yeah, um, deer hunting is cool because you got antlers or you're sitting out there and it's all great and f- fancy. Turkeys are all relatively the same. The beard length, I mean, it can vary. Spur mm-hmm. length can vary. Weight can vary. You but got a long beard, or pretty or much the same. Yeah. Right. It's really the scenery and the experience and how and hard he can make your hard. That bird gobbles yeah. and gets you going. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. We had a good time up there. and uh, Oh, yeah. Uh, as w- once-in-a-lifetime experience for sure. And yeah. uh, hopefully we can continue doing it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'll call you, you out right here. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'll be back. You mark your calendar. Yeah. <laughs> Taylor, join. jump on that mic. Keith, thanks for telling that story. I'm, I'm glad to hear you like turkey hunting that much. You guys are going to have to be careful. Give me like a seven or eight. I don't know if my heart will take it. If, if it's really I'm, I'm telling you, you get a 10. If you oh get one where God. I jump up and you hear me <laughs> catching my breath and I jump up like, it don't get better than that, you're going to be like, Mom, can I buy a shotgun and a vest? Because I'm going to Texas or I'm going somewhere turkey hunting. Because yeah. I ain't going to do it just you one time hooked. this spring. Taylor, tell me about your first time. First hunt was amazing. Um I learned real quick that uh, I was Real quick, shape. time out. How many shots did it take? <laughs> hey, I was getting there. I was going to say, your experience being a duck hunter came into it play. Came in handy. It definitely came in handy. <laughs> yes, it did. But um, I learned real quick that I was very out of shape walking those hills. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, already, I'm already training for next spring. <laughs> uh, Where are you going next spring? <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. me, uh, me, Keith, and Heath are going up there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Mark Twain National Forest, huh? <laughs> oh, man. So, was that your first ever turkey hunt, or had you done it? It wasn't my first ever. Um, my first one, I was probably 10 years old, and it was on a guided hunt in Washita Mountains. Okay. And so okay. Cool. I had my dad's 12 gauge, and we were sitting, we were setting up, we were set up on a ridge, and he uh-huh. had a Benelli, and it had a chrome uh, chrome barrel on it. And yeah. So we think what happened, the turkey was coming at us. We think what happened was that the turkey saw the barrel because the, the sun yeah. was shining. And so yeah. it spooked it, went around. But I'd never killed one until killed it with Matt. Yeah. Yeah. Where does it rank on, it rank on uh, first hunts, duck hunting, deer hunting? I'd say it beats – my first duck hunt, because I really can't remember my first duck hunt. Yeah. But the deer, 
that was a pretty good hunt. My yeah. Per, the first deer I ever killed. Yeah. Um, but it was still a great time. Um, I'll never forget it because we were walking up that hill and well excuse I me I, w- I was walking up the hill you were hunched <laughs> over catching your breath yeah. <laughs> i was wheezing and uh and it's just a normal hill it's not even a mountain oh it was it's, it was a pretty big hill and so we finally get up to we walk finally get up the hill I try to catch my breath a little he bit. He finally gets up the hill. That's yeah. Yeah. Like, I spot the birds. I was just like, come on, Taylor, come on. And so we get up to the hill, and um, he he scopes out the standing bean field, and he sees however many turkeys he saw, and he said there's some about two or three gobblers in there. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay. And so he said, I'm going to wave this Jake decoy up in the air and call at him. There's a little bit him. of terrain, and that was the only play. Yeah, uh, kind of stuck out in the middle. Well, keep in mind, this is week two or three, and turkeys had not been cooperating. They no. were still kind of flocking Late together. Spring. Cold temperatures. They weren't really acting like good turkeys. Yeah. And so it was kind of like every – it seemed like every – when you guys are up there, everything we did was a Hail Mary. Like, I don't know if this is going to work, but let's do it anyway. And uh, so you did that. We just, yeah, aggravated them. Mm-hmm. Put, a, put a Jake decoy out there in front of them, and they had hens, and it worked. We got the response we wanted. We did. We definitely did. Um, but going back to the – how many shots it took. It took, <laughs> me t- took me two shots. The first one, I think I was so nervous, I was just shaking. And I fire off that first shot. He takes off running. I hear Matt say, shoot him again. <laughs> so I shot. He dropped on the second shot. That's Folded. Never the, that's never the duck hunting came in handy. Good follow-up shot. Uh, to, to me, I think – it's hard to explain the feeling you get when a turkey's in range. Like when it, it almost hits that feels 40 like yard mark, and it's yeah. like, you, you, you you almost lose the feeling of your heart. Like you're kind of like <laughs> like it's just you can't catch your breath, you can't feel your fingers, you can't feel anything. It's almost like somebody paralyzes you, and now they they paralyze you, and they're like, here, take this gun and shoot <laughs> that turkey, and you're kind of like, I can't pull myself together. That's what I, that would be about the best way I could describe it. That's what it felt like for sure. Yeah, and so uh, you guys both killed back to back, and Within about well, five was, or ten minutes. It was funny because yeah, you you shot and killed, and we're up on a ridge top. You guys are based on a ridge top, probably a mile, three quarters of a mile away, and you shot. We're looking over the beer, the spurs, taking, taking some pictures. pictures, yeah, and then here, <laughs> and we looked like that had to be that key. Had to have been. That's the <laughs> o- that's you know big enough property that. That was Keith. He's yep. the only one that's on it. Yeah, and uh, oh, that's yeah. right. We sent sent a picture. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That that uh, it was cool. So it was like both got both got birds right around the nine o'clock hour, and just worked out. That's right. Both good birds. So first day was a struggle, and the second day was amazing. So our first day of duck hunting in Stuttgart was a struggle. <laughs> Let's see. I'm super Let's excited. See. I can't wait. For unconventional man. waterfowling tomorrow. When we get in the truck tomorrow instead of the buggy, I'm going to be like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Regardless, we'll yeah. have good breakfast when we get That's done. right. You know, oh, that's right. man. So, Heath, after hearing these guys talk about their first turkey hunt and the success or their first turkey kill, um, how's it feel knowing that you're going to hopefully get that opportunity this spring i'm very much looking forward to it you know i, I still get that adrenaline rush when when i get a nice 10 point that comes out in front mm, of me uh, yeah. you know and get get the shakes like taylor probably had yeah. so oh, i yeah. can only imagine what it's going to be like to get there and have yeah. somebody hopefully screaming at you I still get <laughs> yeah. sometimes <laughs> like there was a hunt i had last spring that i wish a new hunter would have got to experience that and it was you know with a, our friend up in northern missouri and uh we had a bird. He told us kind of they'll probably be roosted here, and we're like, okay. And we keep walking in, and Matt actually spotted the de- uh, deer that spotted the turkey. <laughs> it's a deer on the it's, roost. It's still deer season, by the way, <laughs> but we're talking turkeys because deer season, ah, that's an afterthought right now. Yeah. Um, and Matt spotted the turkey on the limb, and so we just sat down. I mean, it was 120 yards maybe, and he sat there and gobbled, 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 gobbled. And we're tree yelping at him, and uh, – I don't remember if I did a fly down or not. Oh, yeah, I did a did. fly down. Yeah. And he turned, faced us, gobbled again. And when he pitched down, 
and I'm pointing that gun right at him. It's kind of, and it's down a, it's in a little valley, but there's an old, like a new skitter line yeah, he, or dozer line. He just line. put in a new dozer line for fire and line. So it's like, he's going to land in that. He's got to land in that. And uh, he's coming down, and it's like, this is going to be like a goose hunt. I'm going to shoot him <laughs> as he flies by me. And he just keeps coming, he keeps coming, and all of a sudden it, he gets like 35 yards, and he just wheels and banks just out of sight, of course. Oh. <laughs> and it's like, I, I don't know how many turkeys I've shot in my life. Um, and I've, I've been hunting, turkey hunting, actually carrying a gun since I was 12. But long before that, I was going with dad and watching. So I've seen a lot of turkeys do funny things. And that's the thing I love about turkey hunting because my heart was racing. I had the exact same feeling I had when I shot my very first turkey where it was like, <gasps> I'm 30 years old and I still can't catch my breath over this. Pull it together. Over a bird that's 35 yards away. And, and I ended up killing turkey, but it was like, that's the kind of I want to. I wish we could introduce those guys had a blast. That's the kind of hunts you keep going back for because it's like, yeah. oh, man, it's so so much well, fun. Well, it's that speaks volume. But me, I was actually had the luxury of filming it, and in the same frame, I could see the bird on the limb, Adam in frame, kind of over his shoulder, and then as the bird pitched off, it stayed in frame the whole way and wow. just like glides <laughs> in, just like a bird locked up, you know, waterfowl coming in, and. um was able to shoot it, but that was just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm <laughs> capturing this. This is awesome. Yeah, it was it was nuts. It was pretty much picture perfect, minus the kill, because <laughs> he went in, he went in the brush to the right instead right. of walking down the down the fire line um, to the decoys. He could have yeah. done it just he could have read the script to a T, but he veered a little bit. He veered a little, and it was just like, right. I don't care if you're on him or not. I'm shooting that turkey. <laughs> and he so, gone. Yeah, no, it was it was a blast. Can't wait to introduce you and bring you up to. Uh, to Missouri to experience a spring hunt. That's going to be awesome. And mm-hmm. um, you guys got anything? We're right here. Um, he, I'll ask you, would you rather? Missouri, you better start exercising right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, year's resolution is, is to get we'll ready. Break out, for, we'll break out the season. UTV for him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we kept it locked up in the barn for you guys. <laughs> hey, look, yeah. Guys, don't you have a UTV? Look at all these nice road systems. No, we yeah. sure we don't. We don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah. Um, would you rather, let's think of one, would you rather go on a uh, goose hunt in Canada? Like a Saskatchewan, southern Alberta, just kind of your picture perfect. You just, and you're just shooting geese, September. or would you go, rather go on a pothole hunt in like North Dakota for ducks? I'd probably have to go with the pothole yeah. for ducks, to be honest. I would do the same. What about I you? I think I'd go uh, up to Saskatchewan. Adam? pothole i do pretty pothole too yeah we we saw kind of a taste of that in nebraska where we mule deer hunted this year um those just random wetlands out there and i was like i kind of could see this being awesome <laughs> yeah because you could see forever you know the birds just appear over the horizon but right. ooh, we'd probably get a foggy we, day yeah we would <laughs> we'd get a foggy day um but when we were out there <laughs> everything locked up <laughs> <laughs> There was a bunch of blue-winged teal. I was like, really? oh, cool seeing those yeah. little jokers buzz around there. Yeah, that'd, that'd be neat. a challenging hunt. Here's oh, another no one doubt. for you. Would you rather do the Canada Canada or Canada Canada <laughs> goose hunt um, or a sandhill crane hunt in Texas? I'm, I'm going to have to probably go with the Canada goose hunt on that one, to be honest with you. Isn't the uh, sandhill crane hunting, aren't they really good eating? Ribeye I've, of the sky. I've heard they're yeah. amazing. <laughs> I think I'd go for that then. <laughs> yeah, you gotta eat good. That's right. right. You'd probably sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Keith, hop over here and tell us. I ask you two there. So prairie prairie pothole for ducks or a Canada goose hunt? Take Just it all day. because I'm gonna have to go with Canada. Okay. What about on a Canada goose hunt or a ribeye of the sky hunt in Texas? I'll go with the rib eye in the sky. I seen a, a former intern I did a while back. Um, we we interned together a few years back, and he he actually does a lot of that. And those birds are big, a lot bigger than seems like a lot bigger birds than I've ever seen. So that'd, big big wingspan. That'd be fun. Yeah. Fun to pop some shots at. I'd have sure. to get a good look at her. I'd have to come down there and take, take a good, good look at. I'd take a good look at. <laughs> I mean, I. Yeah. <laughs> But, Get you know, I always think of a, yeah. a of a crane, like, in here in the Ozarks, and I'm like, great, how is that much difference than a than a sandhill crane? To right. me, I'm like, that has to be a nasty little bird. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but apparently they're pretty amazing. 
You just have to try both to see which one you like better. That way you could make an educated yeah. decision. <laughs> yeah. That's like saying you're going to have to try blue heron and bald eagle and see which one you like best. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me know how that works out yeah. for you. Yeah. <laughs> Red oh, man. Uh, hopefully everybody enjoyed this podcast. Uh, we covered a wide variety of topics. Um, you're going to have to keep following along as Heath goes on his first turkey hunt. Um, go check out QDMA. Um, Stratton Seed Company. Yeah, check us out at the events. Yeah, Yeah. Big Book Classic, Gen Show. Yes. Farm and Gen Show. If you're in Arkansas, if you're anywhere. Shoot, if you're in Australia, fly up and come join (laughs) us. That's right. But if you're in Arkansas, it's going to be right there in Little Rock. And then if you're around Memphis, that's where the Farm and Gen Show is. And uh, we'll be there both times. So uh, come come see us and check out everything. And if you're considering the – all the new blends, I mean, we're going to be posting pictures throughout the throughout this winter kind of prepping for um, planting season. So if you're in an area that doesn't have a dealer, maybe that's something right up your alley. So mm-hmm. check them out and contact. How could they get in contact with you about becoming a dealer? You know, uh, best way is probably email. It's uh, hnorth at strattonseed.com. Uh, just give us a, uh, shoot us an email, and, and we'll talk about it amongst ourselves and get back with you. And, and it's a pretty, you know. I mean, I it's think. A, it's a simple process. Very uh, simple. Yes. Uh, I think a lot of people would say, oh, how much seed do I have to buy? How much do I have to pay? Blah, blah. And it's really, uh, really a simple process. It, so it really emailing. is. Yeah. All right. Matt, final thoughts? All right. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If you're interested in the QDMA class, again, registration starts February 1st. Um, But let us know if if you're interested. We'd love to see you there and to have you part of the the class there in southeast Ohio, September 14th, 15th, and 16th. All right. See you guys next week. See ya.